Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. It's Friday, and you know what that means. Hobby hustle time, baby. I am really fired up to share this one with you because it is a guy I've been trying to get on this show for quite some time. One of the hobby's best, a good brother in the hobby, if you will. My man G at The Lucky Show, the host of The Lucas Show. So much passion, so much energy. This guy loves cards like we all love cards. And I just learned so much. This is an honest, a real conversation. Talking about cards, talking about the passion, talking about curry talking about Luca, talking about collecting and just the journey we are all on with sports cards, baby. This is just one of the ones I've been wanting to have for a while. And uh, this guy is just, again, a good brother. He sent me a freaking Steph Curry 9.5 hollow just because he knew I was in the Curry Collectors Club now. And that's someone that I'm always going to support and just I'm going to have a lot of gratitude. And I just love what this guy does in the hobby. You know him. I know him. Everyone knows G. If you like what you've been hearing on this show, hit that subscribe button. Follow me across all social accounts at Stacking Slabs. Time to kick it to the conversation. Get fired up. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Hobby Hustle. I've got an exciting episode today. I'm with a guy that everybody, I think, knows at some level in the hobby, in the Instagram community, in the YouTube community. I got my man, G from the Luca show, the lucky show on Instagram. G, happy Friday. How are you doing today? What's going on, Brett? Thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on your podcast. Uh, ever since you've come onto the scene, man, it's been a breath of fresh air. I love uh, reading your, your daily thoughts when I wake up in the morning. It's kind of like you and Lameem are the two people I wake up to and I want to see. You know, Lameem's usually posted like six memes at that point. But you guys kind of put me on the right foot. I can laugh about the hobby, stay focused, but I like what you're doing. And, you know, I think it's something that everybody, a lot of people in the hobby, you know, digest to start the day. It's a perfect way to start the day. I appreciate that, man. And I guess I'm in, in good company with Lameem. I don't know, maybe. But no, that, that, that for sure. Uh, I get a lot of feedback on the morning reflection, so I'm glad. You're taking note of that. Um, maybe one place we can start is the brand you have built through your in- interactions on Instagram, your show on YouTube. I would define like you as someone who's just like a collector who is ultra passionate about what's going on in the hobby, your collection, engaging with others. I Maybe we start with where does all of this passion for sports and cards come from? I think the simplest way to put it is just I'm a basketball junkie, right? Like the NBA mainly, but that's just the way it's been since I was, you know, basically in college is when I took it to a whole nother level. Uh, that's when the Kings back, you know, the early 2000s were just crushing. They were the greatest show on earth. They actually started with Jason Williams in the late 90s. But that's where me and basically all my buddies that I grew up with all became hardcore Kings fans. And so we went to games together, watched every single game together. It was, it was what kept us really close. And so that was really the beginning. I was really into basketball. 
uh, and all my hobbies kind of gravitated towards basketball. Even before I started really collecting, I was still picking up boxes. I was still ripping packs here and there because I could never like fully leave the hobby. I'm just like a lot of you guys, you know, same story, blah, blah, blah. Nineties grew up wax, all that stuff. But I never like fully went away. I was always dabbling in cards because I want to stay to connect, connect it to basketball. And then uh, in the early, early tens, I don't even know what to call the decades, like, you know, 10, 2010, 2015, uh, really got into daily fantasy sports and basketball was the sport that I put a lot of time and effort into. And really it was from daily fantasy to basketball cars. There was that transition, like in 2017, 2018, I was doing well in daily fantasy sports and I was taking those proceeds and I started buying basketball cards. And really that was the beginning. And then the more cards I bought, the more obsessed I became with the hobby, trying to learn all these products from Panini, you know, which wasn't around when we were kids. And uh, that really, I transitioned fully. I took all of my DFS money and put it into basketball cards in 2018. And, you know, for me, it's been the most enjoyable way to be a fan and to uh, have this hobby that's, you know, so connected to the NBA. There's so much I, I can even, I just want to talk about even there. First of all, those Kings teams were sick. Uh, I mean, but you, you know, just loaded with talent. I remember watching those teams just being like, man, this team should like be in the finals, but always hit that, you know, Kobe and Laker wall that, seems to happen to everyone in the West. And then for me as a Pacers fan, it was, it, it was always like MJ or LeBron just running into those walls. So I can feel like I can uh, feel your pain at some level. Um, but you've kept up as you're, you're a Kings loyal. You people might know you as a Luca or Steph collector, but you're a Kings fan through and through, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, what has been 15 losing seasons with the Kings, but you know, you just stick through it and you always, you know, basketball, you have the draft, you, you draft new players, and you always have that hope in the offseason that things are going to turn around. You know, the Kings have had a lot of good draft picks. They just haven't really chosen the right player. But, you know, that kept me going, kept me going. And then I will say this, though. The hobby, collecting cards, has made me a worse Kings fan. That's for sure. Uh, I, I wrote that one article in Basketball Card Fanatic about, you know, starting to collect Luca, And that was really... You know, collecting Luca and Steph, who for my close friends who are Kings fans, they look at those players and like, why the hell are you collecting those guys? Like, what kind of Kings fan are you? You know, so it's uh, it's collecting these players that before I was like quietly a fan of, you know, uh, has allowed me to just really love their game and watch their games. And now I'm watching just as many Mavs games, maybe more Mavs games than Kings games. And uh, sorry to tell, tell that to my, my King's friends, but that's just the way it is. You know, I'm more vested for good or bad in these Dallas games. Tell me about it. I, I, I watch the Pacers game. The, the benefit of collecting Steph Curry is that I get to watch the Pacers games at seven and then I get to watch Steph most nights right after it. And my goodness, I mean, this guy, like, before it started the season, I was like, I love watching Steph. So I'm going to start buying some Steph cards. And then when you buy the cards and then you watch the games and he's playing at the level of he is right now, it just, it's this special connection that we have as collectors who love basketball. That is absolutely undeniable. 
yeah, that's what makes it so hard to let go of these cards too. You know, I feel like if I start selling off all these Stephs and Luka Doncic cards, like how, how am I going to feel when I'm watching these games? Right. And it's going to be like this mixed feeling. Like some, some people I know have sold off their collections, right? The prices have just been too tempting. And now like their mentalities, they're almost rooting against the player, you know, because they don't want to be the person who sold way too early. So, you know, for me, I just like holding on to them, watching the game. And for now, that's the most fun I've had watching basketball in a long time. 100%. Back to the basketball card fanatic article. You wrote two of them. We're going to talk about them both. But I think, are you the, outside of Adam or Black Griffin cards, are you the only one to write two at this point? I have no idea. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. I think, we'll, we'll just say you are. So you've got a special pl- placement in that magazine. But your article uh, the, in Basketball Card uh, Fanatic uh, 1, edition 1, you have a quote, and it's, it's my favorite quote of the entire series so far. And it, it's so good that I even read it to my wife. And when we were sitting, uh, I was watching basketball probably, and she was probably watching Sex in the City or something. But you said, of course, there is a temptation to sell my Doncic collection, considering where the prices are now compared to where I bought in. If I sold all my Lucas today, I would be looking close to 500K profit, parentheses, shh, don't tell my wife. And that's a hard number to ignore. Like, that's ridiculous, right? That's like part truth. You know, because my wife, honestly, she doesn't quite know, right? She knows this as my hobby. I escape to my hobby room, but it's not like I go over and disclose exactly how much everything costs because I know she's going to be like, we need to renovate the house. You know, the kitchen is falling apart, all these costs. And I'm, I'm just, you know, clutching onto it. I'm, I'm somewhat in denial to a certain extent, right? Because I was fortunate enough to have gotten back into the hobby in 2017 where prices were still very reasonable. And, you know, when you look at when Luca came into the league and when his cards came out, still very reasonable as compared to now. And so, you know, I look at the money I spent and so it's not a giant investment, but as I see these numbers and that $500,000 has gone up, even from the time that I wrote that article, it becomes harder and harder to ignore when it becomes a good chunk of your net worth, right? Now, I enjoy all this. Don't, I, I'm not trying to sound like, oh, I hate that card prices are going up. I enjoy it. I think it's a blast, you know, being part of the hobby and holding onto these cards. It just, it does, it complicates things as a collector as you look at these cards and you have friends going, why are you holding on to all these cards still? But in the end, it's really, you know, the amount of money I have into these cards and just having way too much fun rooting for these guys. You know, it's... uh it's not like daily, daily fantasy. I stopped doing that because it was a buzzkill most nights, right? You're putting up money, you're, you're rooting for all these random players, but usually it's a tough night and you, you feel frustrated going to sleep. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, you, you're, I was going to advise, you're probably the 1% of people that are, have the ability to win enough money in daily fantasy and put that money into cards and actually start a process. Whereas, you know, I, I think my net loss on daily fantasy throughout my career is I don't even want to talk about it. You know, you have your days and then you have more bad days. So I think maybe advice to the audience, like don't go, don't go blowing your money on daily fantasy. Cause you think you could buy some uh, gold prism Luca cards. Now that's probably not going to happen. 
Yeah. And I had that moment, 2018, I kind of went off, went out with a bang. I qualified for the, uh, the world fan duel basketball championships. So I was invited to uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, to the, the basketball hall of fame. They had all the TVs set up, you know, for that last game. And so I had this great finale and I knew in my head, I also knew at that time, like daily fantasy was getting more and more difficult to beat, right. As players were more sophisticated. So it was a good timing for me, but I knew I chose that event. I'm like, this is it. This is my last event. All my proceeds, I'm leaving. I'm going out. And so I got kind of lucky in that regard that I had this event that I can look towards and be like, circle the calendar and be like, this is the finale, the goodbye. Now, if I actually won that tournament, then maybe the story changes. Who knows? But so, so, so on the daily fantasy side with cards, what skills are transferable? Like what from your process on obviously doing well enough to go to the, going to the basketball hall of fame to be in a big tournament. Like what were you doing there that you might be able to point to the hobby and have some success? Well, I'd say daily fantasy. You're always speculating on kind of risky plays. And so I had that mindset when I came into the hobby I wanted to put half my money into speculative plays. And so knowing about the obscure rookie who's starting to get playing time, who might have a window in a month to carve something out, I think that mentality, I'm not sure how, how knowledgeable I really was, but you know, in my head, I was thinking I have some insider knowledge on some of these rookies that may pan out. And so it's funny listening to Wharf Sports Cards on your last uh, podcast. He and I actually had the same beginning. It was mm. Harry Giles. And like, I thought it was hilarious that he and I both went in on this guy. That was, Harry Giles was my first guy back into the hobby. And actually, this reminds me of you know, your, your college analogy, uh, coming into the hobby, making mistakes. That's exactly what I did, right? I, I got back and I bought up every single Harry Giles card possible that was available. <laughs> And then I had signed up for this forum called Blowout Forums, which is a sports cards forum. And the first week I sign up, somebody starts a let's make a Harry Giles thread. And I straight up hijack that thread, right? I posted like 200 Harry Giles that first week and started literally that, that season when, we were, when that thread came out, he was a rookie, but he was being sat the whole season. So all we heard were reports out of practice, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, other players commenting how he was playing. And I was that guy to tell all of Blowout exactly was go what was going on with Harry Giles and why he was going to be like the second coming of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and that's what I was known for. When I came back into the hobby, I was known as the Harry Giles pumper. Like some people even accused me of fraud because <laughs> what we saw happen and what, what uh, War Sports talked about is that in the summer, his prices went way up. And I ended up selling a bunch of his cards. And, uh, you know, the pump and dump label got on me. At the time, I will admit, like, I wasn't quite familiar with how you're supposed to handle those situations, right? right? I was collecting this player. I'm a huge Kings fan. A, a thread has started about him. I was just like, I'm just going to spew everything Harry Giles that I know. Totally. And, you know, profess my love for him. Uh, the, 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 um, that, uh, connection on speculation and not only speculations, but speculation involved with your one team is de is deadly. And 
I immediately can relate. Yesterday, I'm sitting working, and I get the push notification. Carson wins Indianapolis Colts. I dropped everything, and I just went to eBay, and I just started smashing buy it now. And I didn't even let it process, but it was I had my own opinion and thought about in the situation that is my team, putting him in there with all this Frank Reich and everything. What is possible? Yeah. And you go right back to 2017 once and you're like, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's, that's the optimist. So, yeah. so, but, but then for me, I look back after 24 hours and, you know, I spent, I don't even want to talk about how much money I spent on Carson Wentz cards yesterday, but it was like, it's okay because I might not have thought about it. I might just have bought it, but at least now I have like that connection through cards. Cause I'm going to be watching every game and rooting for this team. So I, I get where where with the Giles situation for you, it's like when these guys pop up on your team and there's potential, like that that can be a rewarding and a risky situation at the same time. Oh yeah, because you're definitely not thinking objectively. No, you know, and like I, you think that people understand that because you're a Kings fan, you're professing it, but people they they're casually reading these things and they're just gonna go like, man, this guy is way way too into this guy there must some you know there must be something up i will say those once buys are probably fantastic buys like it'd be interesting to look four months from now how much you killed it with those buys i hope so and i'll tell you what though it was the moment where i had I, i was prepared i had the auction saved and the but what i realized when i went into my saved auctions Prior to like, I was immediate with it, but the, I, a lot of the cards that I had saved were were taken the, a day or two before, so people anticipated it even more. Um, but yeah, the and as I was clicking on cards to buy, they were vanishing. Like everyone was doing it, I wasn't the only one doing it. Um, so so when back, back blowout forums, Giles, when I'm assuming your next move was it like. Steph Curry or was there stuff in between? So half my money I spent on Giles from the daily fantasy money. And then the other half uh, I put into like blue chip type players and I categorized Stephen Curry as that. I thought he was undervalued, underrated in the hobby coming back. I was a little surprised that, you know, I could afford a lot of his, you know, mid tier type cards. So him, I picked up some Jordans that I really wanted from my childhood, like his scoring Kings. Uh, picked up his rookie in an 8.5 and uh, LeBron rookie cards. Not anything fancy, uh, but just smaller mid-tier. Now, I, I guess I had a choice. I had about thirty-five, dollars $40,000 to put into sports cards when I decided, okay, this is what I'm doing. And I remember there was a discussion, how would you spend money if you had a lump sum on sports cards? And the two options were, one, do you go for one, two big cards, or do you get a shitload of cards, basically. And for me, I, I don't want to buy one or two cards and then that's it. You know, I want to be constantly looking and searching for cards. And there were a lot of cards that spoke to me back then that were $20 to a couple hundred dollars. And with 40,000 bucks, 35,000 bucks, you can buy a lot of cards. So for me, I was like a kid in a candy store with, <laughs> you know, an unlimited credit card. I was just going nuts buying whatever I wanted. So it wasn't even like smart decisions. It was just buy whatever and then figure out what you really like. 
So, you know, my strategy was to buy a bunch of little things instead of these big cards. And so that's how it started. And that's what allowed me to pick up a bunch of Stephs, a bunch of LeBrons, a bunch of MJs, and uh, yeah, and, and a crap ton of Harry Giles uh, to start things off. Can we talk about the, um, there's this, I think there's this misconception in the hobby that when you're like collecting players or you want to get involved in a player, you have to go out and start with their rookie card. Um, we all know the value of the rookie card and how most of us, we start with the rookie card or we, you know, eventually get to the rookie card, but it's not like a mandate that if you wanted to go collect Steph Curry right now, you don't have to jump in and go get his, you know, tops Chrome card. Like what, what do you, what are your thoughts on, on just like the rookie card versus like all the other opportunities with parallels and sets? Yeah. I mean, typically I would say rookie cards, but when I started looking at Curry cards specifically, he just didn't have a whole lot of rookie cards, right? He had his tops chromes, he had his exquisite autos, and then his NTRPAs, and those were kind of above my head. And so, you know, when I started looking at his cards, most of them were non-rookie cards that I really wanted, right? Like the, uh, I had targeted Silver Prisms 2012, that Prism class is a, something that I really wanted to hunt down. And uh, I, I started just looking at other cards that were more affordable, and in my range, uh, again, you know, not wanting to spend a giant amount on a certain card, you know, those Curry rookie cards, even back then, were demanding a good amount of money. So it was more just like the reality of the Curry landscape that made me say, okay, I got to look at other cards besides his rookie cards. And so, you know, that's how I ended up just basically buying all of his stuff. <laughs> so, so speaking of all of his stuff, the other article you wrote was in, I didn't know until I read the article that you actually had this, all of this, but you, you wrote an article about ranking my run of Curry Prism Golds all eight years, which is insanity because you can't, those cards just don't pop up. Like those cards are just, they're nowhere to be found. Um, obviously 10 of them in existence for each year and you have one for each year talk about a hunt talk about a chase like just unload the chamber and, and talk about this experience in pursuit i just got so lucky you know i i don't know how else to describe it i mean yeah i got my first gold prism for a couple hundred bucks and i was like oh how cool would it be to own all of these you know and you could find back then you know, a few curries on eBay, a few curry prism golds, and they're usually overpriced at the time. They would be like $800 buy it out. I'd be like, I'm not paying, you know, a dollar over 400, you know, because it's all relative to the time. And, uh, you know, so I was trying to be really patient with it. And it really wasn't until his gold prism started taking off that I really got that FOMO where I'm like, oh man, I better try to get all of these now before. You know, it really is never going to be a possibility. But I got real lucky because uh, a guy on Instagram just reached out to me and said, hey, do you want a 2018 uh, Steph Gold Prism? And I was like, hell yeah. All right. So we, first deal goes really smoothly. Everything goes great. The guy's awesome. And then uh, like a week goes by and he says, hey, uh, I've got a 2015-16 uh, Curry Gold Prism. Would you be interested in that? I'm just like, Psh. 
all right, let's do this. Let's, let's, let's sell off some more stuff. Let's do it. As soon as that deal is over, he comes to me and says, hey, I have a 13, 14, and a 14, 15. Right? This is all the same guy. And this isn't a matter crazy. of like three weeks. And I'm like freaking out. I'm like, okay, I really need to start moving things around. Actually, I didn't. I actually dipped in for this because it was just too many cards, short period of time, where right? I went into the bank account and bought 13, 14, 14, 15. I think he had, he sold me a select gold too. So this was like one month of pure bliss. And yes, the next week he comes back to me and goes, hey, psst, I got a 12, 13 gold. Uh, what would you be willing to pay for? And, you know, maybe it's on me for not asking him like in the very beginning, like, hey, how many golds do you have? You know, but I was just thankful that he had whatever he was saying wow. that he had at the moment. I'm like, yes, I'll buy that. Yes, I'll buy that. Yes, I'll buy that. So I ended up buying I mean, what the reality is he almost had the complete gold set. Right. And actually thinking about it now, the first time he contacted me, he was asking if I would sell him the 1617 Steph gold. So I think part of it initially was like, Hey, could I get the golds off of you? And then, you know, I got lucky. He decided to sell it off to me and he wanted to sell it to somebody who would, you know, I told him what I was trying to do and he thought that was a cool idea. So, you know, if it wasn't for him, who literally came out of nowhere, you know, I would have like three out of the the nine gold. So really was it, that. was it somebody you had existing interactions with or someone who just knew you collected stuff and approached you? Honestly, I have no idea. You know, I think he was following me. So he knew that I collected stuff to a certain degree. And we struck a conversation back and forth before we started doing any deals for maybe a, a week or so. So I think it was him getting comfortable with me knowing that I was a, a true Steph collector. And then, uh, yeah, just one at a time, That's one week a, at a time. He, ha he knew he had you right away. He was hold holding back on the 12, 13 at the oh, end. Oh, man. Like uh, you were going to say still, no. It was just like a bonanza. And this was like two weeks before the national. Mm. So... I got all these golds right before the national and then headed off to the national to show off everybody, my golds. Um, so that was kind of fun. Although I actually never ended up taking them out <laughs> at the national. It's such a wild show that, you know, your head is all over the place, but um, still, still one of the, the more uh, fulfilling, even though there isn't some crazy story just because it hits so fast. And then like all of a sudden, Actually, I, I will say I, he gave me all of them except the 1718 gold prism. So after I had purchased those from him, I still had one card to chase. And that took me like three or four months. So there was a little work I had to do to finish off the gold set. Do you do you get like what is going on in your head? And like, is it like I'd love to know the state of mind you have with the new prism product co coming out, knowing that there's 10 golds in that in existence in that set and you've you've got this collection and I've, i'm making assumptions here but i'm assuming you're going to be pursuing that card like what what's going on in your head knowing that new gold prisms are on their way i mean it's kind of mixed emotions right i'm excited hey i get to add another gold prism but i know this year it's going to be pretty ugly i think even last year uh i bought that gold prism uh, the 1920 for like 2,500 bucks, right? I bought it like in January. So before stuff really started going crazy. So right now I'm just like, how much is it going to cost me this year? It's probably going to be, you know, 
three times as much, you know, let's hope it's not any more than that. But, you know, I, I realize that this could become a pretty expensive thing. Like I, I might be paying more for a 2021 gold prism than I did for the 1213 gold prism, Jeez. which, you know, obviously doesn't make sense. No, that makes zero sense. Um, yeah. Wow. The uh, So maybe we move to the state of the state with, because I haven't, I literally have not, I've been so wrapped up in my work. I haven't talked with anyone about this, but I'd be remiss not to speak with you about just like golden auctions, like what we've seen, like just the last two weeks of news coming out of that outfit with not only just the auctions that were going on. I know you covered uh, some of that stuff, but then the news on the other side with, um, you know, the group buying in like, obviously massive news and this is coming off the heels of the nat turner psa news so like share some perspective on 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 this and what it means to the hobby well i mean there's just so much coming at us like on a daily basis and it's just a lot of excitement into this hobby um it's head scratching to a certain degree that it's happening so quickly um and some of these cards, you know, skyrocketing in value have people who've been in this hobby for 20, 30 years scratching their heads. Um, so it's, it's hard to digest exactly. I think obviously we're in a great seller's market right now. And a lot of people who have these big cards who bought in at a low price are seeing these prices. And, and Golden has done a great job branding himself as the guy for modern high-end sports cards right now. And it's just really tempting. It's really tempting to a lot of people. So I think what we're seeing is uh, a flood of interest, obviously, but also now a flood of cards that are probably going to hit the market over the next two, three months. And I do think that's going to help stabilize the high end. I don't think we're going to see these crazy jumps that we're seeing. I think uh, the excitement level is pretty much there. And like that Jordan PSA 1086, we saw that drop actually $100,000 from two weeks prior when Golden said he sold four of them for, I think, $736,000 around that, that dollar amount. So for me, I always look at, at cards as, you know, they're bubbles, but they're, you don't look at, I don't look at it in terms of the entire card market, right? I look at it in terms of individual players, individual sets, and we see bubbles grow and burst all the time in this hobby. And so with high-end cards, I think as long as we see this supply come out over the next two, three months. I think we're gonna see high prices, but I don't think we're gonna see these, you know, I don't think we're gonna go to the four, five, six, you know, this parabolic rise continuing. I think we're gonna see a leveling off and which is is good. You know, it's good for there to be a little bit of stability there. And maybe that's gonna detract some people who think they can make a quick couple hundred thousand dollars by buying these high-end cards. But uh, for the most part, I think the supply, the extra supply should calm things down a bit you know they still outrageous prices but i that really is there really are a lot of people who have money you know it be it uh card funds or wealthy individuals who are coming into this hobby and we all know you don't buy just one card right if you get the bug you're looking for your next buy and once you get that you're looking for your next buy and your next buy so if these wealthy individuals are becoming collectors that speaks to how much you know how much and they get they get competitive with themselves 
you know, these prices are completely sustainable in my my view long term. Right. Yeah. It'll be interesting because I didn't know this until I listened to Chris and Josh in the crossover last week. I was listening to the podcast, like I think the Monday after, and they were covering the volume of cards that were on up for auction next and how like I don't remember the specific example, but they were like on page eight and it was like some absurd Mahomes card, like getting buried in the mix of all of these other incredible cards. So like, do you have a person, like, do you have a, like if all of these cards are all being up for auction kind of at the same time, is this the leveling off? Or do you think there's enough like new money that's coming in? That's going to support this elevation of price, like in the immediate I think right now Golden has done a good job branding the high end, you know, the mid-tier cards. I don't think they're going to do as well on his site just because the eyes are looking at up at the grails right now. What do I think of in terms of how this is all going to play out? You know, I think what Golden did basically is he realized he was a little bit in over his head. You know, he has a vision of being able to sell all these smaller cards, right? But I think he realizes he doesn't have the infrastructure in place and to have sophisticated money come in to help him with his brand, with his infrastructure, and allow him to still do what he wants to do, I think that is his focus. Right now, mid-tier cards for golden auctions, it's, you know, eBay or PWCC might be better, right? Mm-hmm. But I think they're looking at, as people, all eyes are on golden right now, growing that side. And you know, if more and more people sign up for golden and that starts happening, they can be a serious competitor to eBay. So I think Golden is looking at the future and trying to improve what he's not good at right now. That that's a great like observation. And I, I would agree with you. I I've I listen to words and I listen to messages when I follow people. And I would say two things that I've taken notice of him just prior to this and leading up into the the um the the purchase was his continual communication regarding lack of tech technology infrastructure with his operate being very transparent about it, but knowing that was a gap and another gap is just new eyes and more people. And I think he understood, and this is just my speculation. I think he under got to the point where he understood he was at his limits and there was probably, you know, several people obviously based on the result knocking on his door saying, Hey, we can help you scale this out. And that's kind of what we're about to see all unfold. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think uh, I'm, I'm interested to see, like I just signed up for golden auction a month ago and usually the hobby is like that. People start doing things around the same time. It'll be interesting to see how many people who are looking for these mid tier cards are now like, okay, I'll go through the process. Right. I think that's a barrier right now for them is that you do have to go through the process, sign up, get some credit approved through them. And as people realize, especially if there are deals on these more mid-tier cards, more and more people will sign up. And, you know, I, I actually am, am kind of, you know, I think all, a lot of us get burnt out with eBay. We're all looking for some great alternative to eBay. And right now I would say Instagram has probably been the most competitive with eBay, but even that, you know, there are some serious red flags. So. Uh, maybe it's going to be two or three really good options as compared to eBay, but you know, I'm glad that our hobby is trying to figure that out right now. Absolutely. Um, 
another thing I want to talk to you about, because I think you've got some energy around this product. I have been messaging people around this product and been forming my opinion. And I think my opinion is, man, this is a really cool product. And I think more energy needs to be around it. But you selected, I think, as your best new product last year, it was Panini One of One. And I messaged a couple people about this to gather their thoughts on the product. And I got a wide variety of feedback on it. And I think for me, it's the one card that continues to be my pattern interrupt on Instagram. If I'm like flipping through cards, like a Panini 101 comes up and I'll stop and look at it. And the imagery and everything about the cards just pop in there. Very, very cool. And I don't have any, but like I'm very, getting very itchy to jump in. They're, they are expensive, but I know you're a fan of the product. I, I just love to get some perspective on why you like it and why you think it's important. Yeah, I, I just think it's a set that is visually stunning. It just gets to people. And, you know, you just pay attention to the hobby for a little bit and you see how much people love some of these cards. You know, those timeless treasure cards, they're too expensive for me. I, mean, I, I can't afford them because people love them so much, you know, especially if you collect a certain player, you know, that Dame, the game winning three. Oh. These are cards that people just look at that image and they're like, that's a must for my PC. And they're willing to pay whatever it takes. So I think it's just really comes from how well of a job they did design wise, right? Um, the base cards look great. I, it does look a little bit like some cards in the past. Uh, I, I mentioned. Uh, gala 1415 gala that has similar aspects even optic you know with like the silver uh borders but it's simple it doesn't have crazy parallels all over the place you know i think there's what five or six parallels and uh it's just a clean set there's nothing that you really hate the only thing i'd say that was bad on it was the zion sticker autos Mm. right now if that was a non-sticker auto then that would have taken it to a whole nother level but everyone else, I'm pretty sure, is on card autos. So uh, it just like checks all the boxes for a lot of collectors. And I think it just resonated when everyone kind of fell in love with the product. And it was our eyes speaking more than anything else, you know. And now it's yeah. too expensive. And we're just like, oh, I wish I had more of those, you know. <laughs> yeah. The uh, what is it? The step? What is it? The timeless treasures, the stuff with the, the, thir- the third trophy? Is that what? Yeah, and he's doing yeah. the three on his hand. And they're like, you know, you can't find them on eBay. That there are on eBay, but they're like 10K or more. Yeah, it's insane, man. I, 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 yeah, I, I would love to have that car, but it's still like twice as expensive as I think it should be. Right. And this is a new thing for me is so much buzz for products when they come out where cards like Timeless Treasures is selling for what it was. Like, I feel like a few years ago, those cards wouldn't, it would take people time to figure out how, like, hey, this is actually a really nice card. It should be up in value. And I'm not sure how much of that, it it could be some manipulation involved to get these cards up. But it's, yeah, it makes it hard for me to really go after certain products like Color Blast, right? Like, oh, you like Color Blast, you're going to have to fork over a ridiculous amount of money to grab one of these cards. So that's the tricky thing with these new products. If, if you look at it in terms of value, 
Like it's hard to really figure out how much value is there actually in buying one of these timeless treasures. Do you see it? Is, is that Curry car going to become a $30,000 card in a couple of years? It's hard for me to imagine that being the case. Yeah, it's and that's the hardest part, I think, right now. It's especially with new product like that and that people in the hobby like and talk about. And you know, when you see the price listings on eBay, they're just astronomical. And your 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 mind says stay away, but your heart says like I want this. So I think I don't know. For me, I always just try to like block it out, and yeah. then try to go plug in and find something that no one else is really talking about now. That I think like that I want. That it's something I collect, and I think well have some sort of rise in value over time. That's kind of what I try to do. Yeah. And, and that's more satisfying too, right? Finding something that's undervalued, right? Something that there, there's reasons why this card should be worth more than it is. And finding those is one of the more satisfying parts of this hobby, right? Going after these timeless treasures, beautiful cards, but you're not I think people also think like, hey, I spend all this money on cards. Cards don't haven't really gone down in price. Like it should be pretty safe. No, those cards could drop like a third in value by the end of the year, right? It could happen on the next sale. So it's a dangerous prospect doing that type of stuff. Cards that are so in demand, that are so new. And yeah, less risk and more satisfying going for these more, you know, hidden gems. And yeah, that's, I've, I've always tried to do that in terms of collecting. And you know, you, you whiff a lot. You know, I have oh, yeah. a bunch of uh, Star Wars sketch cards. I have no <laughs> idea what I'm going to do with them. But you know, at the same time, you end up hitting you know, like 2012 Silver Prisms and uh, you know, Galactics and stuff like that that have taken off. No doubt. Um, maybe just a couple more uh, as we close this out. I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you. And I know you've done some selling here and there, but what goes through the mind of a Luca collector that has the collection you have that is of the value it has? I watch Luca whenever he's on League Pass. Uh, he's a phenomenal player, just a joy to watch. Everybody in the hobby agrees. But there's this element of, well, is this guy ever going to win a championship? And so, a lot of his cards and his value, you know, have cha multiple championships built in. I think if you were to ask me, is Luke ever going to win a championship? I'd say, yeah, he's good enough. Like it's going to eventually happen in his career. But what, how do you, what, like, what goes on in your head with Luca? You're a fan, you're attached to him. You like watching him. There's a money value component built in. Like, how do you enjoy that? but then also mitigate risk and make sure you don't like lose your ass on the other side of this. If something tragic happens. Yeah. I guess that's like a, an evolving thing that I'll have to uh, deal with on a year to year basis. But right now with Luca, I feel that I'm kind of in this sweet spot for him because it's his third year. He's 21 years old. So he has this window, right? Um, especially right now for the next three years, people won't exactly have championship expectations or he won't, he won't be docked basically if he doesn't win a championship for the next mm -hmm. three years. So that's a nice window. If you look at like the greats of the game, Jordan, I think it took him seven years, six, seven years to win a championship. Same with LeBron. Kobe did a little earlier, but he had Shaq there. So 
players take time. Basketball isn't a sport where you're a rookie and you're expected to win championships. You got to learn how to win. And so right now, as long as Luca's headed in that trajectory, obviously this year, it's been a little bit of a hiccup with them having a losing record and people kind of, you know, piling on to him and the Mavs, not quite understanding, you know, they, they had COVID hit them pretty hard. They had Kristaps missing the first seven games of the year. But still, any interruption to that uh, dialogue that he can win championships stops momentum. Mm-hmm. And then we, we saw that with Luka uh, stopping momentum. And people start asking that question louder and louder. Can he win a championship? And yeah, so for me, I, I do. I, I, I look at him, his resume, the way he plays, the way he, how much he wants to win. Like the last game that he played against the Trailblazers, he, middle, he missed a wide open three. It literally looked like he was going to punch himself in the face when he got back into the locker room. He was so pissed off at himself. So I know he has like that makeup, right? To want to be better and to win. Like that's all he talks about is winning. It doesn't mean that he's going to actually do it, but I believe in him. And so right now, year three, I'm pretty comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. If it's year five and uh, he's n- they're a mediocre playoff team, yeah, there are going to be concerns. and. I'm sure it'll already start affecting the value. Who knows? Maybe not. Because you look at someone like Giannis, I think he's on his, uh, what is seventh year, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that is the time that, you know, Giannis has lost momentum as well. But I think, you know, if you're a superstar type player, MVP caliber player, you, you have that seven year window from the time you start to where you really are sweating championships. Yeah, I I think that's fair perspective. And I think you're right. It is the sweet spot. I think it's don't go crazy. If you are holding Luca cards, enjoy it. It's all like speculation at the end of the day, regardless of who the player is. But I think looking at those intangibles, like him being pissed off at himself for missing a a shot are the things that any collector of Luca should find comfort in. Um, Maybe we close it. I'd love to know just like all the craziness happening in the hobby. What what is your outlook for the rest of the year? Like wh- if you were to forecast like the land changing landscape or what's going to happen with card prices, new companies, like how are you looking at this year? Are you going day by day or do you see any big trends or anything else emerging? The wheels are kind of in motion already for what what's happening right now. I think. Uh, it's interesting how the hobby as a, a whole kind of moves together, right? We've seen uh, the modern cards kind of take a dip as people have been trying to get uh, the more established player. And that's kind of a mantra we heard throughout the hobby. Um, so I think we're going to continue to see uh, the grails, uh, people trying to upgrade into grails and stuff like that. And uh and and the same amount of money, I think we're just going to see a, a year filled with buzz around this hobby. Um, speculation, uh, I, I really don't know how it's going to play out this year. That's the interesting thing with this is we have rookies playing right now and we don't have their good cards out, right? People mm-hmm. be cautious of hoops, be cautious of certified. People are just anxious to get rookies. Don't, don't just save your money and wait, right? Uh, we got to wait for the prisms and the optics to start coming out. But that's going to be really interesting to see how the hobby approaches LaMelo Ball, right? Every year that I've been back in the hobby, there is the darling, the rookie darling that takes over the hobby for a certain period of time. 
So LaMelo Ball will be a very polarizing figure when his prism cards start coming up. So that'll be an interesting period. And it'll be interesting to see how the money flows into this new class, how it'll affect uh, other sectors of the market. Um, But over the next three, four months, I think it's going to be a return now towards this 2020-21 class. And a lot of us are going to start looking at these uh, more obscure players looking for uh, potentially uh, the next big little rookie that could make you some money or you know, the rookie that you like, that you want to go crazy on. So there's going to be some new blood that all of us, you know, I think it'll be good. It'll be good to have some new cards come out, new players to collect. So that's well, the ex- exciting part. Yeah, it's it's hard not to get in the speculation game. And you, you, got, you, you got a player there in Sacramento, huh? I think people might be interested in... let's keep that quiet now yeah his efficiency is ridiculous yes i'm going to be going all in on tyrese albert i figured (laughs) although we'll see man if his if his gold prism is going for like 25k i'm just gonna be like ah man bro when 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 he was when when i was looking at this draft and i i obsess over it every year i was just like this kid is so intelligent on the floor. Like if anybody, he's going to go later probably than he should, but like whoever gets him is going to be lucky. I didn't think he would be like, I think he's the the best rookie right now. I do. And I think he has the best long-term future. He's just such a smart player. Um, but yeah, all you have to do is watch him for a quarter wow. to realize he's like poised in command. His shot is funky, but it's money. And he's just, he, yeah, he's got that winning mentality. Like uh, all the players on, on the Kings, they believe in that kid. That's pretty impressive to, to come in as a rookie and command that type of respect right away. But yeah, how many people have watched Tyrese Halliburton? Not many. I think there's one Kings nationally televised game, televised game this year. So yeah, all eyes are going to be on LaMelo. You know, for me, it's going to be Tyrese. That's the plug. It's like if you're in the hobby and you're, and you're interested in watch getting in rook on rookies like you got to be a league pass owner you got to watch the games that's how you find out what everything is and i think that's everyone watches highlights you gotta be a junkie, gotta be a junk. junkie man oh man gee this was awesome i appreciate the perspective um definitely check out uh his youtube show uh the lucas show and on instagram at the lucky show my man it was great chatting with you thanks so much for your time thanks for having me on man so much good insights. That's a guy I told him post-record, got to just pull the plug because I could talk to you forever. Just a true fan of basketball. He's a fanatic, just can't get enough and finds a way to collect sports cards and make that experience even more better. Go check out his show at The Lucas Show on YouTube. Hit subscribe. Follow him at The Lucky Show. On Instagram, G is a good dude. We'll definitely have him back on to talk more sports cards because I can talk to that guy forever. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. And I will be back next week. 